This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, May 13th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. Smoking is bad for you, but what about for the guy standing next to you? And what drives the repugnance toward e-cigarettes, a likely far safer alternative to tobacco? John Stadden is the James B. Duke Professor of Psychology and Professor of Biology and Neurobiology Emeritus at Duke University and author of the new book, Unlucky Strike. We spoke today. What do we know about smoking-related deaths? Well, we know the numbers are enormously exaggerated. I was just reading that uh, 480,000 people a year die of smoking. Uh, Ten years ago, it was 400,000. In the meantime, many fewer people smoke than used to smoke. So what's going on, folks? How are these numbers inflated to the extent that they are? Well, it's very hard to say. But my guess is that if someone has smoked and dies of almost anything, uh, you know, liver cancer, pancreatic cancer, uh, almost anything, including, of course, lung cancer, the death will be attributed to smoking, whereas in reality, the hard evidence, such as, it's all correlational anyway, it's not causal, but the hardest evidence, of course, is for lung cancer. There's no question that kills people and it is increased, the risk is increased by smoking. But isn't tobacco uh, consumption uh, through via smoke, isn't that a risk factor associated with all sorts of different uh, deaths? Well, um, be suspicious. There are two things you should be suspicious of in the media. One is a politician saying, let me be clear, because it's invariably followed by a lie. Another one to be suspicious of is to say X is linked to Y. What does that mean? That means that somebody found a statistical correlation, not a causal relationship. And it's very easy to find statistical correlations. And in the case of smoking, very difficult, not to say impossible, to establish a causal relationship. And the reason is you can't do experiments. If you want to say secondhand smoke causes something, How do you test that? Well, first of all, the effect is certainly small. Second of all, it's delayed. It might be 30 years, you know, before there's any effect. Third of all, you can't do an experiment. You can't take people, put them in a room X hours a day for many years, and then see if their mortality is different from other people. Now, there is a study on this, actually. There's a very good study. 35,000 people in California, they looked at couples, one of whom smoked and the other of whom didn't compared to couples where nobody smoked. And they looked for mortality differences. And what they found was precisely zero. So the, the, the best evidence that there is indicates that secondhand smoke has small to negligible, uh, or negligible to zero, I would say, effect on public health. When I think of public health, I think of communicable diseases. And you know, more recently, people have thought of secondhand smoke, the fact that you are in, in uh, an an area where there is ambient smoke, and that contributes a great deal. You know, why is this? Why does this have such currency? This idea that secondhand smoke is uh, extremely dangerous, if if the effect is so small. Well, that's a very, very good question. Uh, after mulling it over for some years, uh, why I wondered myself, why is it that in the absence of conclusive evidence, people really feel? that uh, secondhand smoke is dangerous. The first place, people don't like it. I mean, there's an aesthetic problem, which has probably gotten worse the smaller the number of smokers. I mean, when I grew up, essentially everybody smoked, 50, 80% of people smoked, and it was in the atmosphere all the time and nobody paid any attention. Now it's quite rare. And then it becomes unpleasant to a lot of people. So if, if it's unpleasant, it's probably dangerous. So that's one thing. Another thing I think is, and this is more speculative, 
is that the, the medical profession is should be very frustrated at the abject failure of the war against cancer. If you look at uh, the statistics, uh, as recently as 2009, the cancer cure rate has, has in fact, uh, incidence has actually increased in some, in some respects. Uh, lung cancer has gone down, but everything else is either flat or, you know, maybe a little improvement or a small uh, um, uh, worsening. So uh, doctors are very frustrated, but the one thing they can point to that does clearly affect the incidence of cancer is smoking. It does affect lung cancer, no question about that. And so that may be why they focus on that one uh, and uh, on smoking to the, to the uh, fact that they, they even complain about smoking when it has no discernible effect like secondhand smoke. But here we have something that if a doctor is going to give you one piece of advice to lengthen your life, quitting smoking is clearly an, an excellent choice. Not a bad piece of advice. I'll agree to, I'll agree to that. On the other hand, my, my friend David Hockney, the painter who illustrated this book, uh, he enjoys smoking. He says, well, if I die, I die. It happens to everybody. Uh, why not a pleasant life, if maybe a little bit shorter, uh, rather than become some kind of Puritan, you know, uh, dressing yourself in sackcloth and putting ashes on your head and all the rest of it. So it's, it's, it's a trade-off. The question is who should make that trade-off? And my feeling, since the argument for a public cost to smoking is zero, essentially, that the individual should make that choice, not the government. It's odd to think about, but anytime you're doing a cost-benefit analysis, you have to include benefits that people might not uh, consider. And smokers dying early contributes quite a bit to solvency of various programs for people who otherwise would survive uh, many, many years. Yeah. I mean, there are articles on this all the time. There's an article this weekend, I think, in the uh, Washington Post. Maybe it was even today uh, by this lady, Ros Chess, talking about uh, looking after her parents and their senility and so on for many, many years. And her, you know, she said somewhere in the article, maybe leaving them on an ice floe is a better solution. I mean, this is not a good way to die, keeping people alive for many, many years uh, in an enfeebled state. And this was known, you know, even 200 years ago, or probably before that, actually. So <laughs> the point is that longevity in and of itself is not an absolute virtue, even for the individual, even for the individual. And this is something that ought to be taken into account. Of course, the pleasure that people take in smoking ought to be taken into account. I mean, Beryl Brainbridge was a well-known English uh, writer. She died not too long ago, not of lung cancer. Uh, she, she tried to quit smoking. She couldn't write when she quit smoking. Well, her writing was a contribution to society. You know, A lot of people enjoy smoking, get a great deal of satisfact satisfaction from it. Uh, so unless they cost the rest of us, why should they be penalized for this? The sole determinant that I hear public health officials use when talking about the benefit of e-cigarettes is whether or not it will help people quit smoking. But there are other self-appointed public health folks who say it, it's all the same thing and it if you – start with e-cigarettes, you might get hooked on the real thing. Or heroin. Goodness knows. Yes, that's right. <laughs> How so, true. <laughs> so we know, very, we know very little right now about the health consequences of e-cigarettes, but intuitively it just seems that 
it should be very clear to most people that they're much, much, much better for you than inhaling smoke from burning embers. Well, a couple of things. First of all, uh, the, I guess the, the main ingredient in e-cigarettes is nicotine. And there have been a lot of studies on the potentially carcinogenic effects of nicotine, and it has none to zero. And what effects have been reported in a couple of studies require enormous doses. So nicotine by itself is not a carcinogen. It's the other stuff, you know, the nitrosamines and tires and all that stuff in cigarette smoke, but not in the smoke from e-cigarettes that causes the cancer. So, in fact, there's pretty good evidence that they're relatively safe. Now, let's take, let's take something else that people smoke, pot, okay? Uh, it appears that in some areas of the Western U.S., it's considered more uh, uh, politer to smoke pot than to smoke tobacco, well, is pot good for you? No, it's not good for you. And the only reason we don't have a campaign against pot is that it hasn't been studied as much. It's not legal in most states and so on and so forth. But the odds are that the damage uh, to you and to your behavior and so on and so on of uh, marijuana is much greater than, than, than uh, tobacco. So there's an inconsistency. So, all right, why do people hate it so? Well, it's a time for speculation. I mean, my... Uh, thought is that America started as a Puritan country. There's a Calvinist strain in the thing. And, uh, we have to uh, excoriate somebody. Uh, all the usual groups are now ruled out. You know, you got gays and people of color and so on, can't do that. Well, smokers. How about smokers? You know, it's, and after all, we can feel good about despising them because it's for their own good. It's really to help them. There was a good book written years ago by a man called Jacob Salem called For Their Own Good, which made this point, I think, very, very well. So I think it's part of the kind of Puritan uh, consciousness, the Puritan gene that still resides in the American genome to, to find something to get moralistic about, and, and tobacco is good, especially as it's produced by big companies. We know they're bad. But to then take that attitude, that sort of repugnance that is associated with uh, tobacco products and then heap all of that derision onto people who are doing something that is far, far safer uh, with e-cigarettes. And in fact, many people do use e-cigarettes to quit. I know several people who've done it. Of course, yeah. It, it, it just seems mad. But it's smoke. It's smoke. I mean, you can see it. And also, remember the old story about the Puritans and bear, bear baiting. As you probably remember this story, that their objection to bear baiting was not the suffering of the bear, but the pleasure of the spectators. Well, I think you know, people are enjoying this kind of that, you know, goodness me. John Stadden is author of Unlucky Strike. You can watch a forum for the book at Cato.org.